Good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Be sure and check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com. You can visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate, or you can give them a call at 865-299-2290 for all of your HVAC needs. They'll take care, can take care of you. They'll make, you can make an appointment online. You can call them and make an appointment uh, they'll send a technician out to give you exactly what you need. Nothing more, nothing less. It'll be done the right way the first time. They've got uh, financing options available for you. Uh, you can get tune up, whatever you need for your system. They can take care of you at Blue Water Climate Control. With Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Tough day for Tennessee. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you on uh, Monday with news about basketball getting shut down. Um, football's not going to play on Saturday. Just a stark reminder of how kind of fragile all of this is for a basketball to get started and for B football to get to the finish line. Yeah. Tough blow. I mean, you know, Tennessee fans you know, <laughs> were anxious, you know, to, to get a look at this basketball team. I think the way the football season has gone has, has fueled what was already a, a lot of anticipation. And uh, I know, you know, from talking with people over there, the, the players, coaches themselves were beyond excited to start a delayed season after they've, you know, had the weirdest and longest off season in in basketball history. And the, the hope is now just that, that you get a chance to, to play next Wednesday in Indianapolis against Gonzaga, which I would say that's definitely up in the air. First game of the year. Hold on just a second. Like, you know, I mean, both teams are going to be rusty. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously Tennessee's probably got to work through a little more of a, you know, you know, early season struggles when they're trying to find chemistry with young guys. But they've got enough veteran guys, Rob. Don't you think that they could mask that? I mean, Josiah, Rick, you know, kind of sang his praises and, and you know, going into year two when he joined us on the nation on Sunday and then obviously you've got Muscovy in your two, Fulkerson and Eves. I mean, it's not like everything's just coming in and it's all being placed on Keon and 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 Jaden Springer and that freshman class. Yeah, but I mean, you again, I mean, you mentioned the word chemistry, and that's what they're going to be short on. I mean, everybody else is too, but you know, missing your first two games, not getting a shit chance to see what you you know really got, not being able to make some adjustments, some corrections before you face what should be a loaded Gonzaga team. You know, it's it's not ideal, but. You, you're you're dead right about the veterans. I mean, Santiago and Josiah are only sophomores, but they got all the minutes they could handle last year. Uh, you know, it's not like Tennessee's leaning heavy on the freshman. I, mean, I think Keon and Jaden are going to be two of their better players, but it's not like they need them to be the best player on the court every night. But again, just just not ideal and a, a big bump in the road when you know Tennessee got hit really hard with it early earlier on, but had, it's been smooth sailing for about the last, you know, month or six weeks. And um, they th really thought they were out of the woods. Yeah. And do you think, Rob, that from a basketball standpoint, we'll get to football in, in a few minutes, but just from a basketball standpoint, the fact that students have gone home, that it was probably unrealistic to think basketball in, in, a, in a big spectrum could get started this week. We're seeing a lot of cancellations in a lot of places, but that it gets – does it get easier for basketball in 10 days, two weeks when they've almost been able to bubble themselves a little bit on campus without, without the elimination of some of the contact tracing and, and some of that stuff? Or, or do you think that this is just a real challenge for basketball to even get off the ground in the month of December? 
I, mean, I think it does get easier. I don't think there's any question. I mean, campus is going to be a ghost town. I mean, it's like that for the basketball, for the men's and women's basketball players every year. So I think it gets far, far easier. Now, you, I mean, you still have to worry about off the court you know, type of stuff, but uh, I don't, and I'm not saying that you know, Tennessee will mandate things, but I mean, I think they'll, they'll be really smart about managing, you know, what their players do socially. And I think it means, it means enough to these kids that they, they themselves will be careful about things. Rick Pitino has suggested that this is all a bad idea to be playing in the winter and that they ought to start this thing in March and play the, the, the NCAA tournament in May. We, we've seen the NBA be flexible, obviously, with their draft and, and when they've done the draft and how they did the draft this year. How late you think basketball could go? I, clearly, basketball doesn't want to go that direction, and they don't want to have a, a, a you know a tournament in May. But but how how do you think basketball? How long could basketball delay? Because Rick Barnes made it clear they have to have the NCAA tournament. How, how could they? How far could they delay this thing out? You think realistically? I always thought starting in January was a feasible and a sound idea. Obviously, you know, they didn't want to do that. And, you know, keeping the non-conference, just you still could, you know, maybe abbreviated the non-conference a little bit and, and played the tournament and been done before school was out in, in May. Um, and I, I, I think, I don't think you could start it like Rick Patino was talking about in March and play anything other than conference basketball, which I don't think anybody wants to do. And, you know, how much different would start in January and make things? I don't know. But I I was in favor of a later start than the November 25th just to, you know, get more information, to maybe get over the hump and um, have, have, it, have things be a little smoother, which obviously they are not right now. Of course, Rick Barnes dealing with it at this point. It, it sounds like he's feeling better and, and is doing okay. Monday afternoon, he felt fine. I had a chance to speak with him, and he's certainly, you know, taking every precaution, but – Monday afternoon, he was not not having any issues. And we'll see when this basketball team can get back to action, when they can get back on the court and go, and when this basketball team um, is going to be able to, to to get on the court and play against somebody. And we'll see how basketball will present itself uh, in, in the coming weeks. Uh, while, while you got basketball on hold at this point, you, you've got football um, on hold for this weekend, Austin. Um, this doesn't feel like a good open date for Tennessee. And maybe that's because you feel like they could beat Vanderbilt, but, but this one doesn't feel like it's the greatest scenario for Tennessee to me this weekend, Austin. Well, no, I mean, ultimately you, you take another, another week off, um, you know, and, and again, Tennessee was going to inevitably have some guys out this week because they have had a positive test. They do have a few guys out on contact tracing, but they were going to be able to play. So, again, I think, you know, was it a perfect world for Tennessee to play Saturday? No. But at the same time, now you move that Vanderbilt game back, Brent. They're either going to play at the 12th or the 19th, depending on what, which way the league office goes. It's either going to be sandwiched in between Florida and A&M or after Florida and A&M, where you potentially could be on a seven-game losing streak. I mean, they they really needed to play it this weekend ahead of those other two games to try to get some positive momentum, to try to you know right the ship a little bit. Now the you know these you know all, a lot of these questions are going to linger again. They it's stop, start, stop, start. I mean, they just and in bad play, this has just been a um, 
a twilight zone nightmarish six weeks or so for the balls. Oh, absolutely. And, and here's the other question that Jeremy Pruitt has to answer and decide upon now. And, and I think it's probably an easy decision, but it's not the decision you necessarily want to take. What, what do you do with your football team? You going to tell them they got to stay here for Thanksgiving when there's not a game on Saturday. Are you going to let them go home for four days, you know, or three days and then come back in and potentially deal with issues, you know, heading into next week as well. I mean, I think he's just from this standpoint, I don't know that there's a, I think the right answer is you got to let your kids go home because there's, there's nothing to keep them here with no game being played this weekend. But from a COVID standpoint, that's probably not the best thing for them to do. Right. No, I I think the best thing for them to do would be them to keep them here this weekend, you know, and I know that's kind of a a sucky outlook, but I mean, normally on, on Thanksgiving, you know, they host, you know, all the position, you know, Joe Ossett would have the tight ends over. Jay Graham would have the running backs over. Jim Chaney would have, you know, whoever over. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's wise to keep them in. I mean, you saw Florida State talk about how that they didn't, you know, they they kept their guys in on a bye week, you know, and then that was part of their reasoning for justifying not allowing Clemson to bring a potential uh, positive test into the fold around their kids, you know, that they had held, you know, kind of, you know, held everybody accountable a certain way and felt like they needed to hold the other teams accountable. I, I think Tennessee needs to do that. Otherwise you run the risk of potentially not playing next week. And let's face it. If Tennessee's got a few in contact tracing and I'm told they do those kids, unless the contact tracing started way back when, which I don't think it would, it would start after the Auburn game means they're probably going to miss the Florida game as well. I just think it's a hard sell to kids, though, Rob, to, to sit there and say, hey, by the way, you can't go to your coach, your position coach's houses to have Thanksgiving because you're not supposed to gather. That's against SEC protocols. You can't have team meals, can't have team functions outside of, you know, practice. You, you don't have students on campus. You don't have classes. So we're going to practice on Thanksgiving morning and then, you know, Go do go to go to your apartment and, and hang out until you know Friday when we can have a little walkthrough and then you get the weekend off and you can't go anywhere either. I, I think that's a tough sell, particularly for a football team that hasn't won and you just wonder kind of where their focus is anyway. Yeah, why am I? You know, we're we just lost five in a row. It's not like you know we're in the playoff hunt or you know playing for a big bowl game. What? And, but I can't go home and you know, spend Thanksgiving with my family. And I, I agree, it's a tough look. I mean, I'll, I agree with Austin's point also that, you know, hey, that's that's by far the smartest thing to do. But when you're sitting there at two and five, I mean, what is the sacrifice, you know, that you're going to ask those kids to make? Is it really, is it worth it? Yeah, I, I think that'll be really interesting to see what um, this athletic department does, what Jeremy Pruitt does, how do they, how they manage, how they ask their kids to manage um, you know the, the the extended holiday weekend here with down no game, uh, Austin. You were under the you were under the belief that had they played this weekend, it was going to be Harrison Bailey's time. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I believe that it was going to be his time. Yes, I just in talking to a few people, it just felt like that that was the direction that they were headed. Um, not that it was a hundred percent done, but I, again, if you're if you're either starting one of two people at this point, they're not starting Mauer and they're not starting Shroud. So well, they didn't even take Mauer to Auburn. Correct, and they then take Shroud to Arkansas. So I mean, 
you're either starting two or 15. And I just felt like that it was likely to be 15 if Tennessee started or Tennessee played a game this coming Saturday. And now you have two weeks to get him prepared for Florida. Yippee! You think that's more based on the fact that they liked what they saw out of him in the two series in the fourth quarter, or is it just the, the absolute decision that Jared made on the interception? Well, I think okay. it boils down to the you know preparing for the future, Brent. I mean, you know they they know number two ain't gonna be back. I know we all joke about that he'll be back for another year and you know all that stuff, but he ain't gonna be back. So um, I, they they better start preparing for the future, or there won't be no future. And I think, I mean, I think probably what they saw from Harrison on those two series makes it an easier decision, too. I mean, yeah, he, I'm not saying he was you know, Tua or anything, but I thought he looked competent. I thought he looked poised. I thought he had, you know, good presence in the pocket. Timing of his passes was good. I mean, and, and I know Auburn was, was – he was seeing a different defense than with Auburn up that big that late. But, uh, I mean, I thought he looked ready. It's hard to, to be given a shot. Yeah, it's hard to believe that he can't he can't manage the offense based on what this offense looks like at this point in time with, with where they are and kind of their simplicity with some stuff. And I, I know there's talking about managing the run game, but I mean you can manage that at the line of scrimmage with your veteran offensive line, and we'll look at me at the sideline and all that stuff as well. So I, I you know, I, I don't think that there's any reason to suggest at this point that he would be overwhelmed. Does that mean he's ready? No, he's probably not ready, but when's anybody ever, quote, re really ready? I mean, when do you know somebody's – I mean, if you're waiting on perfection, somebody to know everything and be perfect with stuff, nobody's ever going to be ready. So I, I just think that, you know, it's it's kind of like a baseball team calling up somebody from AAA, you know, or A. Maybe he's not ready, but why not? You're out of the Speed race. Speed up his development. Yeah, you're out of the race, so go ahead and call him up and I mean, see what happens there. The, the greatest quarterback that ever played here wasn't ready when he was fresh. Yeah, it's yeah. true. No, he wasn't, you know, and, and obviously he got better quickly, but but he wasn't he wasn't ready. All right, let's talk a little bit about Auburn upon kind of rewatch and, and look at it. Um, offensive line, I thought, was really good in the run game. I thought they were okay in pass pro. Um, but Eric Gray continues to find his way. Um, and, and it's, you know, they clearly seem to be building uh, this thing around Eric Gray. What? Upon rewatching and re-looking at it, what's your biggest takeaways from, from Tennessee's loss at Auburn, Rob? I mean, it's hard not to start with the offensive line. I mean, 222 yards rushing. I mean, that's not a great Auburn deep front seven. I mean, certainly with, with K.J. Brent, K.J. Britt out injured and, you know, what they lost last year. They're not what they have been in the recent past. But they're, you know, they're solid. And Tennessee manhandled. I mean, they, they changed the line of scrimmage all night long. I know you noted this, Hubbard. I mean, Eric Gray was consistently getting to the second level before before he was having to make a move, and and he was making people miss. He, I thought he ran with authority. I mean, he's not a huge back, but he he was falling forward. You know, I think you know getting getting through arm tackles in a way that we maybe haven't seen him this year. And I mean, had had the two longest runs by a running back this season in one game. What do you, you have three over twenty? The, the one 33 yarder to get a yeah. 25 yarder and then, then a 21. I, I was very impressed. What, what, what is your take away from the defense? Just you know, you got to get off the field on third down. I mean, Auburn's not a 15 and, you know, some of those were third and two, third and one, but then they gave up the, the just the huge third and 10 
on that drive in the, th- I guess it was the third quarter. And um, just, I mean, Tennessee's been bad at that all year. They were on Saturday night. That and meanwhile, that- they, were, they were great at it on offense. Not Tennessee was also nine of 15 on third down and they've been the worst team in the league by, by a good margin. And again, I, I think that was due to the offensive line and the run game. They were seeing third and two, third and three, instead of third and eight, third and nine. It's interesting, Rob, or Austin, when you look at this, Tennessee's defense has given up 50% of third down uh, conversions this year. Check out this number on three and outs, okay? Tennessee's offense has had 22 three and outs this season, okay? Tennessee defensively has forced 11 three and outs. That's That's a great Hubbard stat. Six of those 11, Austin, came in the first two games. They forced three or four three and outs against South Carolina, two against Missouri, and it's been pretty much downhill. And so they're a, averaging one since. three and out per game since then. Yes. Yeah. Georgia had one. Kentucky had two. Alabama didn't have one. Arkansas had one. Auburn had one. And remember, that's a Kentucky offense that's one dimension. It's like I mean, basically a single wing. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy to think about. That, that, that's, that's the fewest – that's got to be one of the fewest number of three and outs that we've ever seen a defense at Tennessee have. Um, it seems crazy. I need Humber, to, did you go I, back I, to I, every game book and, and get, get that one yourself? No, I have my statistician assistant hook me up with some of these stats. I, I need you to look up how many they had during the South and Siri year. <laughs> that's a great and, one. And, and I don't for, know. For comparison. That's a, that's a great one. They haven't had, they didn't have many that year. That's for sure. Here's a, here's a couple. I'm going to throw a couple more Hubbard stats at you, Rob Lewis, because I know you love these. All right. Tight ends were targeted seven times against Auburn. At six catches. They only had seven targets the entire season leading into the game. So clearly there was a game plan shift. We talk Austin, we talk about getting creative or doing something different. They at least tried to do something different with the tight end. Now on third and three, you can't run a one yard route if you're Princeton fan, you know, and, and have to punt it there. But at least they did some some things different there. And, and here's Jacob Warren had a big time snag. Yeah. And here's a ball. trivia question for you. When do you think would be the last and I don't know the answer to this, I've got to look it up. The last time a, the Tennessee's leading rusher was also their leading receiver in terms of catches. Eric oh, Gray I, and Josh Palmer are tied for 22 catches apiece this year. Oh, I thought I, you, you mean for a season? I, 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 I bet it's never happened. Of course, of course, Gray had that one series at Arkansas where he looked like David Martin against LSU. Was, you know, he's been I mean, targeted. He's had the ball thrown to him 24 times, targeted 24 times. He's got 22 catches. He's had 59 touches the last two weeks. Is that not right? Combined receiving yeah. receptions. Like I, I posted a thread on the board the other night. Can you imagine what what Alvin Kamara could have done if he'd got fifty nine touches in two two weeks? Oh, he'd have been on which somebody, might still be the coach here. He'd been somebody's Heisman list probably. Um, the Tennessee's running. I mean, Gray and Chandler combined have thirty six targets and thirty four catches. Interesting on Palmer with twenty two catches. Austin, they can't they can't seem to get him the football. Well, and then when they do, he drops the ball like he dropped the touchdown. I mean, he got yeah. two hands on that. You got to make mean, that was going to be a, that was going to be a big time catch. But we've seen him make those like at, at Georgia, at, at South Carolina. I mean, that's. I mean, if you're a number one receiver in the SEC, you got to come down with that one. Yes, yes, you do. So how do they get him open? Or is it more a matter that they continue to get Jalen Hyatt 
targets. They continue to get Vilas Jones targets. And if they continue to get them the ball, it will open some things up for Josh Palmer. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of it. You know, it, it, we, we, we talked about early in the year, like they need somebody to come along and, and even if it's by committee uh, kind of compliment, you know, JP um, and, you know, again, would you have told me that he had 22 catches seven games in? I'd have probably said, I'd probably lean more towards like 30, um, you know, um, but this is a Tennessee offense that, you know, again, hasn't thrown it a ton. And so when you, when you start, you know, looking for Valus Jones more, when you start looking for, you know, these, you know, these, some of these freshmen more, um, you know, Palmer's, you know, targets are going to go down and teams are trying to take him away. And Tennessee's not throwing it a whole lot. So combination equals a 22. All right. So let's look at this week. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, we've heard about this in the other open dates. They've gone back to camp style practices and, and that type of thing. They practiced for Vanderbilt today because the news of the cancellation of this game didn't come down to late. How do you approach Tuesday and Wednesday? If you're Jeremy Pruitt with this team, what, what, what do you, I mean, how do you go about your business? Well, I just think you try to get guys to, you know, to, to, to stay focused. Cause I mean, like if I was a player on this team and you don't really like practice a whole lot, <laughs> I mean, that's all you've done the last few weeks. I mean, you know, bye week, a game, bye week, a game, now another bye week. And, you know, that's, that's hard. Again, you know, I'm not a range rat on the no. golf So, you know, I like to go actually play. If you told me that I had to just hit balls and could only play, you know, every so often, my interest would go down. So, like, I, yeah, I think, you know, you better hope the guys that are your leaders on this team keep some of these other guys focused. And you hope that some of these young guys are actually like, you know, I better take advantage of this. I have a chance. You know, I'm, I got a little bit more playing time. Like if you're those freshman wide receivers, Weidman saw the field more than he ever has Saturday. Holiday, Callaway, same thing. You know, the, they should have some type of like energy going into this week to uh, continue their progression to get on the field more. Rob, I take my hat off to Jim Shaney. I mean, all the things that they talked about, I mean, he, he got done on Saturday. They had explosive plays in the run game and the pass game. He got Vilas Jones involved. I mean, he had a little wrinkle for, for Callaway and for, for Holiday. And, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's sad to say it a game where they, they scored 17 points, but that was as good as they looked on offense all year long. Except, you know, maybe the Missouri game. But, I mean, they were getting things done. And you have, you know, the interception when you're on, sitting on the 12-yard line and you miss two field goals. Yeah, and that's been the story of this team all year long. 80 drives, 21 scores. They got seven interceptions, five turnovers on downs, four fumbles, four missed field goals, in addition to 33 points. And some Magley's got to be hurt. I mean, is there any other – I mean, or is it just in his head? I mean, the, the, the kid was one of the best kickers in the country Wait. a year ago. Not to, and I know it's a minor positive, but you know, so much of talk about like, you know, what seniors may come back. I mean, he better be coming back. Like, uh, you know, I, I think if he had a good year, he probably thought he was going pro, but you know, being a kicker in the NFL is extremely hard to be, you know, and so you better take advantage of, of another year in college since he's got it. Yeah, there's um, 32 so, of those jobs. That's it. Yeah, nobody has a backup kicker. And, and there have been plenty of great college kickers that never played in the league. Just couldn't latch on anywhere. It's, a bunch it's, of them here. 
Yeah. Well, and you got you got the Titans sitting there with a guy who's missed a ton of field goals, and they still keep him because. So that's I mean, you would think that's a job that opens up, and it hasn't opened up for for that. That's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about it, Austin, but you know, he probably does need to explore and should explore the, the looking back. I, I thought he just overcooked the first 50 yarder against Auburn, tried to, you know, cause it was a long kick and, and he just overcooked that one. And Man, yeah, they just, they just cut, cut the crap out of the second one. Yeah. The second one was, yeah. I mean, they're just a bad, just fundamentally a bad leg swing. It looked like, cause it, it, it looked like one of my slices off of a tee box somewhere. And what a big miss. I mean, it's it was yeah, I mean, totally, right. That was the that was the drive after the pick six. Yep, you you went down, you went right back down the field. You missed that field goal. If you make it, then you know when you, you when you score, you know they're late. You know you're down seven instead of ten, and you can kick it away and play normal defense with a full complement of timeouts. Yeah, would have been twenty to thirteen. And I'll tell you another big play. Was uh, Auburn had third? It was it was still twenty to ten. It was after that missed field goal. It's twenty to ten. Auburn had third and like six or seven. They were inside their own forty. I think they were in a thirty-seven, and that's when Alante got flagged for the pass interference, which I thought was a, a 50-50 call. But and they get the first down, and they really don't have a hiccup the rest of the way down the field on the way to taking a twenty-seven to ten lead. Yep, and that, that was that was a big play in the game, and I, again another third down opportunity miss that they couldn't get off the field. So. We'll see where this team's at. I'll give this team credit. They haven't mailed it in. A lot of people wondered. They did not mail it in at all against Auburn. They didn't handle adversity particularly well. I don't think they were the same team after the pick six. Uh, but their effort was uh, really good up until that point for sure. And, um, you know, they had not laid down and quit on each other or quit on this coaching staff. So we'll see what they look like in another week against Florida coming off an open date, which is certainly a very different challenge than what it was going to be this week taking on uh, Vanderbilt quickly Austin let's talk a little bit about recruiting um, Nyland Green to. is yeah, Nylon Green's the guy who's supposed to make a decision this month this month is quickly going away there's six days left in the month one is he's still going to make a decision this month and two it felt like Tennessee was pretty good spot 10 days ago two weeks ago does it feel that way now no it doesn't I mean you know I mean I got one person on campus who still feels somewhat confident and, you know, another person that, you know, acknowledges, you know, when you look at the totality of the record that that hurts. And I mean, you know, I, I think this is very much something that, you know, Nylon has, you know, I'm going to put a top five out soon. I'm going to put a top five out soon. He never did. Then like three months later, he finally does it. I'm going to do it November. I'm going to do it November. But he also has been quoted as saying that he's going to wait until the playoffs are done. Well, the playoffs don't even start till Friday. So if they win, then you're into December. So like you know, I, I think it, you know it, it. I think it's just a matter of like him coming to a decision. I think that this right now is currently between Georgia and Clemson. I think Clemson's crawled back in it in Tennessee's I, I, lack I of success. And if you ask me to pick, I'd pick Georgia. But you think it's the lack of success at Tennessee that's been. That's flipped this thing the last few weeks. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, I think he loves Ansley. I think he likes Pruitt. But when you look at the the overall, you know, arc of the program right now, it just there's no there's no juice. And if you're and, if you're that kid's parents, what are you telling him to do? I mean, if if, if my son, I mean, then he doesn't. Don't get me wrong. But that's, he's looking at Clemson, Georgia, Tennessee. 
I mean, it's a no-brainer. Well, and, and I continue to go back to the fact that, you know, right now the best thing that's going for Tennessee in recruiting is COVID because you, you got all those commits early. Those kids can't take visits. This thing would be way more dicey with several of these kids if they could take visits, but they can't. So I think they're a, lot, a little more locked in uh, than they normally would be. You know, so, yeah, again, I think that, you know, winning cures all. The problem is, is what would have been a, a good chance to get a win Saturday, even with Vanderbilt playing better, um, is now postponed. And, you know, these other two games are, are you know, are, are extreme reaches. Well, and if you play Vanderbilt the last game of the season – Signing days already happened. And you're, 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 you're two and seven going into signing day. Yeah, because signing day three and to... six looks a lot better, but still, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, so you know that that's the interesting thing too. I mean, with with, with signing day and games still being played, um, you know, it's it's hard to see a whole lot of movement there on, on any kind of front right now because there's so much you know potentially going on with with everybody if they can get back to playing, and we'll see if they can can get back to playing and that's the that's the biggest thing right now rob ap just i mean i know you know fans all i think fans overblow it sometimes but just with the totality of how bad the season has been uh the auburn game anything to you know is that a big deal for dylan brooks or or, or cody brown i I don't think so um you know i'm not gonna say that that dylan brooks didn't end up you know not at tennessee i'm I'm just saying it won't be because I, I don't think he's going to move away from Tennessee. I'm just saying that it wouldn't surprise me if something happened between now and signing day. Um, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, Cody Brown, he seems more locked in, just about, about as locked in as anybody uh, as far as, you know, kind of his messaging. And I, and I know how much he talks to Jay and stuff. Um, you know, so I don't think that one game weighs – any more than any of these other losses. Speaking of locked in, Tyon Evans is back in the fold. How big of that is a, a big of a get is that for Tennessee? Well, I think it's big. I mean, this is a guy that you know. I was told, uh, you know, this week, you know, uh, is quote one hundred percent better than Cam Akers. That's pretty that's pretty lofty praise for a, for a kid that we know somebody you know, who recruited Cam Akers. Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> so that's that's some. Pretty pretty lofty praise for the kid. I, they've been high on him the whole time. Like, I mean, super high. Like, you know, it, they don't care about what anybody has him ranked. I mean, he they they believe that this kid is is that good and and that kind of a game changer. He's big and he can run and he can break tackles and is exactly what Tennessee's looking for and would be a great compliment to Eric Gray. Yeah, I don't know what the competition is like, but I I, I watched his. You know his highlight stuff on Saturday after after the news broke, and I, you watched his commitment video that I did at midnight. Then <laughs> I think the kid's a stud, man. Yeah, and again, who knows what the competition looks like? Right, I mean, his film is great. Yep, we'll we'll see. You know what he looks like when he gets here, but that's one Tennessee was shocked when he decommitted, but very pleased when they got him back back in the boat um, on Saturday as well. So uh, we'll keep a track on what's happening in recruiting, and obviously we'll keep up to date on kind of what's next for the athletic department from a COVID standpoint with basketball being shut down at this point, no football this weekend. Um, We'll follow all of that and kind of see what the next turn is 
for all things athletics for the volunteers. But that's any word on Tyler Barron's injury before we get out the door? Got a cramp. Got a gotcha. cramp. Gotcha. Okay. I wasn't sure, you know. Sources um, tell me he had a cramp, AP. Uh, that's going to do it for the Blue Water Climate. news and notes today. <laughs> this is my news and notes. Blue Water Climate Control, VolQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.